most people are stuck in uh, in dead end jobs and he said if you are um you know unhappy in whatever it is that you're doing and you are not prepared to uh to make the change that you need to make in order to find happiness or fulfillment right if you're not prepared to do that then you need to figure out how to be happy in your misery and that's quite a statement right it's like why would you spend another day sitting in a job that you hate How's it guys? So fortune does favor the brave. One of our guests uh, couldn't make it today. So we did a bit of a makeshift show uh, where we just broadcast anyway and uh, waited for some people to jump on the studio line and uh, on over the social media channels and, and our and maproundshow.com. And uh, basically, yeah, we had a whole bunch of questions. And so this is a live Q&A show. So it's a little bit different to the usual stuff, but it's certainly based on all the questions that I received. And I do apologize to quite a few of you, I couldn't get uh, to all of your questions. Uh, there's a lot going on when we do this kind of thing. Um, so this is a bit rough around the edges, but it's it's still valuable stuff. I think that um, we want to do more of this. Uh, we definitely want to do more of this. And um, yeah, if you'd like to uh, get into the live Q&A version of the show, because I think it's really, really cool. You get to really understand what other people are go- kind of going through. Uh, you can do that now. Um, join the studio line. I mean, uh, you can do that on this number. It's plus two seven seven double nine double four eight six three four. Uh, Mav, you can put up the ad for this later in the show as well, just so people can take a note for that. I've still got the SMS, uh, sorry, the WhatsApp studio line open in the back there, so you can actually hear people are still engaging with the content. Uh, Alan Ray specifically is too late, <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, um, yeah, I think this is this is a cool thing. We want to do more of this, and uh, your participation uh, is really important in that. So uh, please join the studio line, guys, to be notified of when we do this format of the show. And yeah, so without further ado, guys, please enjoy this kind of a live Q and A version of the Matt Brown Show. Hope you well. Ciao. Hello, guys. Welcome to a kind of a makeshift edition of the Mapron Show. Uh, our guest couldn't make it today from uh, the US, so um, I've decided to do a live Q&A. I get quite a lot of questions from uh, authors and entrepreneurs and startups and just people in the community of business who are basically looking for help. Uh, so I'm going to dedicate the next sort of 20 minutes, half an hour to uh, to that uh, process. Uh, so if you are watching this, we are live streaming this uh, all over the internet. So Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, if you, wherever you're watching this, if you want to ask me a question or send me a voice note, you can uh, do that. Um, you can do that on our studio line, which Mav uh, is also on the stream. Can you uh, just post up the studio line number so the guys can send us some voice notes? Uh, and get involved. So, um, yeah, let's make this interactive and have a bit of fun. I know you're all struggling with business and life, so whatever that uh, looks like for you, let me know. Happy to, to, to lend my opinion and try and give you a helping hand. So uh, I got this question um, not a while ago, actually, so I've just been so slammed. I haven't been had a chance to uh, basically answer this question, uh, but it's on LinkedIn, and uh, this was from Wam Calway. Mkwabeni, I hope I pronounced that name correct, says, hey Matt, I hope you're well. I have a question of which I wish you to answer. In a country with a struggling middle class, the middle class going into debt uh, after corona, how does one start a business targeting them as a market? Okay, How does one limit the risk? 
All right, and also the same with the alienated middle class. So how does one um, start a business targeting them as a market? Well, you would um, target them the same way that you would target anybody. I think business is really about uh, solving problems for people um, and really understanding that problem and then falling in love with that problem over and over and over again. Um, I think it's, um, it's something that many entrepreneurs actually don't wind up inheriting is a business that they love. Um, and that's because when you start a business, it's very rarely the business that you wind up um, having at the end of the day because you have to change to kind of get the business to a point where it gets a, a lot of traction. And, you know, Digital Kung Fu, our company, um, has done uh, that exact thing. I mean, we pivoted four times and thankfully I've fallen into a business that I, I really do love. But whatever that is for you, um, uh, Wem Calway, you, you just got to basically fall in love with the problem over and over and over again. And if that's, uh, if you can find that, then you'll bring passion to the table. Um, and with passion comes uh, the ability to sell. It, it comes the, uh, w- with the ability to persevere um, and all of the qualities that really do make uh, you know, an entrepreneur successful, just the ability to, to kind of make it at the end of the day, despite what may. Um, you know, I keep saying that everyone uh, can be an entrepreneur, but it's not for everyone. Um, and um, you need to decide what that is for you. I mean, I don't believe even in this idea that you were born an entrepreneur or not. You decide at the end of the day who you are, what you're going to be, because it's actually not about who you are today. It's about who you're going to be in the future. Who do you want to become? Um, And you decide on that, and then that's where the magic happens. And then the second uh, part here is how does one limit the risk? So um, the risk with business uh, doesn't really go away. Uh, for me, so when you start out, it's all about cash flow and surviving, and uh, and that's great. But then once you make it past the the kind of trough of uncertainty, and you make it, uh, you know, into uh, a kind of a stage where your your business is actually making money, it's it knows who its customer really is, it's got product market fit, um, and customers are, are regularly buying the services that you're offering. And even when you get there, what you'll find is that you'll have to reinvest that money. Um, into people and in our business we're capital and resource intensive so we have to continuously um, you know uh, reinvest into the business to help it scale so uh, the business's money is never really yours to spend Um, it's it always goes back into the business so you know entrepreneurs live like most people don't for many many years so that when they do sell their businesses at the end of the day they live like most people can't um, and so that's that's really the the idea about risk, right? It doesn't go away. It's a uh, you know it's it's it never goes away. How do you limit the risk? Well, you can't really. I mean, there's some things you can do. You can be pra- pragmatic. You can look at data. You can trust the opinions of mentors and advisors and things like that. Mastermind groups are really helpful as well. Um, you know, those are things that you can lean on to find the truth about whatever whatever it is that you need to go through. Um, thanks everybody for the questions coming through. I'll get to, to some of them now. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think, um, uh, yeah, sorry for the late video as well. Um, yeah, lower class thing stays the same, dude, alienated or, or not. Uh, it's this find a problem, decide on a problem the world has and then go out there and solve it. And as long as you keep solving problems, you'll make money. Like, you know, the one thing I love about entrepreneurship is that even if your business fails, if you know how to make money, you'll always be wealthy. You may not have money for a short period of time, but eventually you'll make money. Um, and that's a very powerful um, idea that, um, you know, you and many other, you know, young aspiring entrepreneurs uh, can kind of wrap their heads into. So I've got a whole bunch of uh, voice notes coming through. Um, let me see here. Uh, restream chat. 
the risk will always be there, Zalgath Bazadenhout. Absolutely. Emil, thanks, dude. Uh, the risk is bigger, but the reward is 10 times more when starting a business versus working for someone. Yeah, man, it's like absolutely true. If you, if you work for someone, like I, which I have done, uh, you know, you're always, the J-O-B just over broke, right? So, um, you know, but also, you know, entrepreneurship isn't uh, an overnight success, right? It takes 25 years to make a quick buck. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's a thing. I, I, I'm always fascinated with how long it takes to build a successful business. It's like if you're working with a short, a short term, I'm saying like anything less than five years, it's, it's a ridiculous idea because you almost need to, I mean, I know COVID has accelerated the uncertainty around the business market at the moment, but you know, as an entrepreneur, you want to be moving slowly uh, in terms of a strategy long term. So it's like, for the next five years, I'm just going to build the fundamentals. I mean, um, Pepe Marais, uh Maverick, if you can tag Pepe Marais, he put out a, 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 an actual like designed creative. Obviously, the, he's one of the founders of um, of Joe Public, a huge agency uh, here in uh, Johannesburg. And he put out this thing, which actually illustrates this point, so this idea that it takes 15 years, 20 years, 25 years to make a quick buck because that's how long it takes to build a successful business. You know, the Silicon Valley, na- uh, Valley narrative of like, you know, you start a business six months later, you'll sell that business for a hundred million dollars and you'll be doing Bolivian cocaine with a bunch of Russian supermodels is a load of BS, right? Um, and so anyone that's really built a business understands how long it takes, like Emil, even though, dude, you've had incredible success quite short, uh, you know, quite quickly. Zalgoth, I'm not sure what you do, dude, um, but let me know, but I agree with you that risk will always be there. Uh, Daniel, Craig Johnson, good to hear from you, dude. Um, I've been extremely blessed during lockdown, but many have pipelines that are dry. What would you suggest to those for for those or for effective lead generation and reviving sales? Um, yeah, I think... You know, we, we built a very successful business doing that one thing around pipeline generation and, um, you know, effective lead generation. And I think it's, it's, there's no one size fits all solution. You have to figure out, well, who is your customer and what's the best way to, to reach them? What do I mean by best? Well, your cost per contact has to be as cheap as possible. Facebook, if you're looking at a small business, LinkedIn, if you're looking at what we'd call a small to medium corporate or SMC and or enterprise company. So those companies that Emil would serve as an example. Uh, thanks, Emil. Um, I'll get back to that one now again. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, uh, effective lead generation starts with your customer. And really understanding who that is because, you know, when you, a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't actually know who their customer is or their customer is everyone. And you cannot be everything to everyone or everyone was everything to everyone. Yeah, because you don't have unlimited budget, especially when you start. So you have to pick a market, pick something, stand for something, uh, niche down, choose a niche, get very specific about a very specific problem that you solve. Because like Emil uh, with his business, ISSC, um, you know, he solves a very specific problem. I mean, Natasha from First Distribution uh, will will, uh, will agree with me there, I'm sure. Uh, Maverick, if you can tag Natasha from First Distribution for me. Um, and, um, and, you know, you solve a very specific problem. Like with Digital Kung Fu, we chose technology because... There, it was underserved. Technology is resilient in a, in a recession market, which is what South Africa really is at the end of the day. Um, and now with COVID, it's accelerated the uncertainty even more. So you know we have to, we chose a market two years ago that we were going to uh, dominate. We we decided we were going to dominate pipeline generation for technology businesses, and that's what we've done. We've done that consistently. And you know what? The moment that we decided 
to be for someone, to be for a very specific customer, we grew exponentially. I mean, I've got 35 staff now, and uh, you know that's in two, that's in less than two years, um, and uh, yeah, and that that all came from choosing to be for someone, because you define Rich Mulholland. Uh, you can tag Rich Mulholland on this as well, please, Maverick, um, on LinkedIn. Uh, basically, Rich just gave me a great piece of advice ye- like years ago. He said to me, um, uh, "Thanks for tagging Natasha Emil." He said to me, "You know, you, you define yourself and your business by what you say no to, not what you say yes to." Um, and so, when you when you realize that and you execute on that, it's like, well. You know, suddenly in the technology space, you know that who you know who your competition is. You know who your competition isn't. You know exactly who your customers are. There's no gray. It's black or it's white. Um, and then you can dominate. It's like niching down is the best thing uh, that uh, that we ever did. Thanks, Daniel, for the question. Uh, this one's from Brendan. I'm gonna play this voice note. Hey, Matt. Um, knowing you personally and knowing how many tries there were before you were successful from a business standpoint. I was just wondering, you know, if there are any practical uh, steps one can take uh, in order to stay motivated after defeat. Um, You know, we'll get knocked down a few times and if we give up after the first few tries, we'll get absolutely nowhere. But you've always struck me as somebody who has been able to stand up immediately and forge ahead. So, you, you know, how do you stay motivated to do that? And how do you stay motivated after what seems at times like multiple defeats? Thanks, mate. Ciao. Um, yeah, great question. Thanks, Brendan. So um, defeat is inevitable. Like I founded 10 companies now and, uh, you know, six of those bombed dramatically, especially when I was younger. Um, and so uh, Failure is inevit- in- in- inevitable. Those who actually build successful businesses, it's, it's, a ra- it's a rarity, right? You know, one in two businesses fail for very good reason. Uh, it's hard. You know, it's, there's a bit of luck, but I do believe that you make your own luck. But when you get knocked down, I've always, you know, believed in, in the idea that you always get what you settle for. Um, and I would, and, you know, over time, it's hard to really come to terms with yourself and what you really want in your in your life right and so as an entrepreneur you want to be sure that when you settle for something that you can live with that uh, and if you can't live with that then you can't settle for it so you have to try again you know uh, Vinnie Lingham told me like four years ago when I was like starting a pod, the podcast the Matt Brown show he said I said to him what's the number one quality of a successful entrepreneur and he said perseverance that's it. And that's come up time and time again. I mean, I write about the idea of perseverance in this book here, uh, which we did relatively well. You can get it on my website for free, guys. Uh, Maverick, please post the link up in the comments. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, you know, perseverance is where it, where it all comes down to. Um, and picking yourself up despite what, uh, you know, the, the life throws at you or what customers throw at you or whether you have a cash flow crunch. I mean, Robbie Brosen had 32 stores of when he, you know, from Nando's and he couldn't pay his staff. You know, it never goes away, this idea of failure. And so you have to, con- like, the only certainty is uncertainty. And the more that you accept that, the more it gives you capacity to, to look at things objectively and to take take action that is um, not emotionally driven. In other words, it's not reactive, it's responsive. Um, but, uh, but you always get what you settle for. And like at the end of the day, one of the big lessons about business failure that I've learned is that when a business fails, and by the way, this came from Alan Reyes, uh, peace tag Alan Reyes as well, uh, from Reyes Corp. Uh, so Alan, just incredible. I don't know anyone who loves business as much as he does. 
Um, and uh, he's incredibly knowledgeable about this. And he told me a story once, which also is in, in this book, by the way. You should totally go and get your copy for free on my website. Um, but, uh, but basically, he said to me, you know, when he first, uh, he found, he got an investor, and it was, I keep getting the name wrong, but it was like the New York Bagel, not the New York Bagel, some, some shop down in Durban. Um, and he got an, a backer, and the thing bombed. It blew up. And he met with this investor, and... Um, he was very emotional about it. He was one of his first business ventures. And he said to him, look, I'm really sorry, but like this business didn't work out. And, uh, you know, if it's the last thing I do, I will pay you back every single cent. And he got up from the table to leave. And the investor like kind of slammed his hand down and said, sit down. And he said to him, um, did I back you or did I back the business? So he said, no, you back me. And he goes, that's right. He said, the only time that you will fail is if you walk out that door. That's when you fail. But that, the lesson there was that when a business fails, it's the business that failed. It wasn't you. And when I failed, uh, you know, especially in my first businesses, when I was like 26, like I took failure incredibly personally. I always thought it was me that failed. And it took me a long time to get over that. Um, and so businesses fail all the time. Like if digital kung fu, God forbid, ever failed, like it would be, it's like it wouldn't be fine. But I would get over it very quickly because I know what it feels like to fail and to lose a business, you know, uh, that hasn't worked. Um, and but it's it's necessary. But it ultimately comes down to to kind of you and, and your and your relationship with failure. Uh, this one's from Chris. Hi Matt, it's uh, Goth here. Oh, Goth. Just a quick Sorry, question. Indeed. Should I quit my current job to pursue my startup idea? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can't literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. <laughs> yeah, Emil, what do you think about that one? <laughs> uh, Colin Chapman, thanks for your comment. Jason, uh, I'll come to you guys now. Um, should I quit my job? Um, Howard Saxton uh, is, uh, Mav, please tag Howard Saxton. He runs a very successful company here, very influential uh, businessman, entrepreneur. And uh, he basically said to me, look, most people are stuck in, uh, in dead-end jobs. And he said, if you are... Um, you know, unhappy in whatever it is that you're doing and you are not prepared to, uh, to make the change that you need to make in order to find happiness or fulfillment, right? If you're not prepared to do that, then you need to figure out how to be happy in your misery. And that's quite a statement, right? It's like, 
why would you spend another day sitting in a job that you hate? Right? It just, it's like, a, it's, it's like, okay, you might be married with kids. I don't know what your situation is, but you might be married with kids or whatever the case is. And I understand that, that you have commitments. But look, I started Digital Kung Fu, uh, you know, when, when it, it made no sense to do that. I had a, a newborn baby, uh, you know, no customer, like a, a fledgling podcast. It made no sense, right, to, to start a business. But I did it anyway because I wasn't prepared to suffer anymore right? Doing something that I hated. I would rather suffer the uncertainty of being an entrepreneur and dealing with the risk and the pressure. Like my wife told me straight, dude, she said, listen, I need you to go back and find another job. And and that was in the beginning, right? As I said, we pivoted four times and I understand that, but I'd rather, I'd rather do that with the potential upsides of being a success and making a difference or contributing more to the community of customers that we serve um, and to ultimately the people that work for me, like I'm responsible for 35 families in like less than 24 months. Like that idea is, is, is frightening for me, right? But despite that, I, I look back over the last two years and I reflect on that and I say to myself, well, what would my life have been like if I just did nothing? And that's the problem. Most people do nothing. Uh, and, and doing nothing is not good enough. It's not good enough. If you're really unhappy with what you're doing, then you must just make the decision. You don't have to walk out of your job today, but certainly plan for it, right? Say, listen, maybe I can start on the side. Uh, Maybe get one or two customers. Maybe do some consulting or whatever the case is. But start. Do something. Um, Otherwise, you must be happy in in your misery. Hi there, guys. So quick one just to say we have launched a studio line. You can now interact live with our guests either online and or using your mobile phone. The number for the studio line is plus two seven seven nine nine double four eight six three four. The number again is zero seven nine nine double four eight six three four. Add that to your phone, guys, now and we'll be happy to take your questions live on the MapRound show. Colin Chapman, if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. Agree. Saskia on Facebook, uh, do you think being an entrepreneur is something you're born with or can what? Or can you work hard to hone your entrepreneurial skills? Um, no, I don't think... Well, look, some people naturally gravitate towards entrepreneurship. So as an example, like I've always had a lifespan. Every time I was in between uh, you know, a company that I founded, or, or let's just say when it failed, I went back to corporate. And whenever I went back to corporate, I had a lifespan because fundamentally I believe that I'm not employable. I have a problem with authority. I don't like people telling me what to do. So it's not in my personality to be uh, a sheep. As I, and I use that, uh, that term deliberately because that's how I felt. I felt like I wasn't in control uh, of my destiny. And so um, if, and most people, when you like, you get the idea, like uh, if you hear it all the time, it's like, well, no, these people, this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, tag him here as well Mav Uh, but you know like started a business and he started trading baseball cards when he was six and then by the time like there was who's that guy um, that we had on the show Mav um, Mornay Van Vek or something like Van Vek um, the millionaire guy millionaire 18 or millionaire 20 hold on let me get this guy up here because he also as an example millionaire uh, millionaire at 20 Damn, Maverick, can you find the guy whose name, please? Sorry, it escapes me. Uh, but he's a South African guy, and he made millions uh, when uh, you know he 
by the time he was like 18 or something crazy like that or 20. Um, and so m- some people gravitate towards uh, entrepreneurship, independence faster than others. Uh, but certainly um, a lot of people don't. Like, like some, I also took some time. You know, like my dad was an entrepreneur when, and I kind of watched him fail a lot and make a lot of money and that kind of thing. So I was always kind of, I always knew I was going to be trying to, I'm, I'm hyper competitive. So I always wanted to do one up on him, you know, and always kind of beat him. Uh, and now I do that with everyone. So <laughs> everyone. Uh, but, um, but, you know, my point is, is that uh, Colin Chapman here is saying that he, Rich Mulholland is a natural born entrepreneur. He's not. Um, yeah, look, dude, anyone can be an entrepreneur, but it's not for, for everybody. Like, as, as I said, example, I don't believe you're born necessarily to be something. Uh, you know, we're all born with the same amount of potential, but it all comes down to our unique experiences, our beliefs about the world, what we feel that we can contribute, what we can't do. Are we really prepared to risk it all? Because, you know, I put out this tweet the other day. I said, you know, if, if it's all or nothing for you, then be prepared to accept nothing. And if you cannot accept nothing, then like, you know, that you need to be really honest with yourself about whether or not uh, entrepreneurship is a thing for you. Um, let's see what else is going on here. Uh, sent inbox question, map round show. Um, okay. Albert van Weck. Sorry. That's the guy. Yeah. There we go. Um, cool. Uh, so this one is from Satya on this map round show studio line. Mav, please post the studio line number. Uh, you often say that digital Kung Fu does not have any competition. Is this important or do you feel like competition pushes a business? Look, I think, um, you know, competition, uh, is necessary for success. You know, if you go back like a thousand years, we were competitive for like food and for procreation. It's like part of the, our human DNA. We have to compete. Uh, some more than others, like, like, like in my case, I'm hyper competitive. I hate losing. Uh, and I'll do anything to win. Um, almost anything to win. Um, but, um, you know, I would say though that um, in, the, in the statements around, do we have any competition? No, uh, I don't believe that we do because we've, we've, we were fortunate. We're not, listen, we're not in America, right? So South Africa has a quite a special um, situation, right? In that you can dominate a market quite quickly. And that's what we did. We built our entire business to solve one problem and that was it. There wasn't any fluff. We weren't an agency. We weren't trying to service any and everybody. And so because we specialized in something, we became experts at something. There's no one that has our, 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 our data, our IP, our knowledge capital. And the stuff that we're building now is it's like it's, it's incredible, right? It's proper data science-led stuff. Um, and so the, the further down that path you go, the more competitive you are, uh, the more data you have, the, you know, the people are everything. And so all of the, 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 the engine of the business is what makes uh, uh, the whole thing competitive and its leader at the end of the day. Um, and so, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, this idea of competition. Um, I do think it's necessary. Uh, I don't feel like we have any competition. There's some people, like we had a client uh, last week, people were saying, <laughs> There's other co- so our company names Digital Kung Fu. There were other companies with like basically similar names. Let's call it this way. I'm not going to mention their names, but uh, contacted our customers, one of our biggest customers, sending them our case study. Right, completely like dodgy, 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 dodgy. I really want to mention their names now, uh, but I'm not going to do that because I could get into trouble. Uh, but but fundamentally, right, uh, competi- like competition like that is bad. Like if you really need to use somebody else's work to substantiate your value, then what are you doing? 
like in business, like what are you doing? Like it's retarded. It's a stupid, stupid competitive idea. Good competition. Like if you think about America and the big tech companies, Apple, uh, you know, Google, Facebook, etc. You know, the companies with the largest market cap in the world, uh, fundamentally, like they collaborate. Like when we won Africa's best tech startup, we went to London Tech Week, and one of the things that uh, was was amazingly apparent was how collaborative uh, big tech companies are in Europe. It's frightening. But in South Africa, we feel like there's not enough, right? Um, and there is enough. There's always enough to go around. Uh, you just need to believe that there's enough to go around because if you're operating from a place of scarcity, that's when you suffer. And that's when you, you lose at the end of the day. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, okay. Anything about entrepreneurship, guys? Uh, you can ask me, Benji from Amsterdam. Um, let's see. Uh, what other questions have we got? Uh, Nolan, how do I determine whether I am capable of starting a business? I've always been kind of a leader and I'm halfway through studying and really want to start a business one day. How do I determine if I'm capable? Um, well, you are capable. You must just start. Just do it. Just get out there and do it and figure it out. Um, nobody has all the answers. It's like uh, I was once given a great piece of advice, like the, the longer I'm in business, the more I know <laughs> that I don't know anything. Um, and that's how you stay humble, um, I believe. Uh, this one's from, I don't know how to pronounce your name, dude, or something like that. Hey, Matt, I was one of the students as part of your Dreamers Dojo initiative last year. Cool. Please can you explain why you don't need a business plan? Lol, we are studying business plans right now. So I think uh, a business plan is a great exercise in theoretical thinking. Uh, Bradley Reynolds, I'll come back to you now. Donna, also on Facebook. Um, yeah, so uh, business plans are a great exercise in theoretical thinking, right? So here's my product, here's my customer, here's my marketing plan, here's my budget, and here's my, my fancy spreadsheet, and oh, look, look how much money I'm going to make. But the thing about um, if I drag these cells across, look, I've got 100,000 profit here, I'm going to drag it across sideways for 12 uh, columns, and look at me, I've got 1.2 bar. It doesn't work that way. Uh, the reality is that no business plan has survived first contact with the customer. So what you need to recognize is that it is an exercise in theory, theoretical thinking, right? But spreadsheets lie. The market doesn't care about your business plan. Only you do. So it's fantastic to you know, get your creative strategic juices flowing and to kind of do your competitive analysis and look at pricing and how does you know, my pricing, if I go from here to there, and maybe there's more customers in this industry but not so many in this one, whatever that is, uh, for you, it's a great theoretical exercise. Like we're writing a business strategy now um, for uh, Steve, also on Facebook, I'll get to you, dude. Uh, but I'm writing a business strategy now again because we're launching a another business. But it's just a strategy, right? You still have to execute on the thing. And so when, and you know, one of the great reasons why digital Kung Fu has built so much success is because we look for feedback from the market and we adapt everything to serve the customer because the, the markets are always moving. Like with COVID, you know, imagine two months ago, what the world looked like to today, how many things have changed. Now you had a business plan that was pre COVID. Now what, what are you doing now? Is your business plan relevant? Maybe, but probably not. Um, and so you need to recognize that it is only an exercise in theoretical thinking um, and it doesn't uh, really uh, you know, meet sort of real market conditions uh, until you get there. So rather execute and figure it out from there. Uh, Bradley Reynolds, hi Matt, thanks for the great content question. Uh, do you think there's room for a company to give away around 20% of its income on work to charities? Hmm. 
NGOs. Just asking because of COVID-19 and how it may force, but you know what, let me um, change the view here so you guys can see what I'm looking at here. Um, so here we go. Do you think there is room for a company to give around 20% of its income to work on to work on work to charity. Just ask me COVID-19 how it may force businesses to change their approach. I'm considering doing this. Hmm. Well, I think um, one of the things I've uh, covered on my podcasts um, was uh, the, I'm terrible with names. Mav, what's the, the female entrepreneurs part of um, Women of Steel, the series that we did, the one that's doing entrepreneurial education in schools? I forget her name. I keep seeing on Facebook. Um, but um, yeah, so I think the idea of social entrepreneurship is more relevant today than it ever was. I think because of COVID-19, Karen uh, McDonald, yes, my book is available. And why don't you just get it on my website? Uh, Mav, just respond to Karen and send her the link to the ebook, or you can get the Kindle version on Amazon uh, or buy the book online, whatever you want to do. Thanks for the interest though. But yeah, I think social entrepreneurship is um, more relevant now than it ever was. I think we're, we're on the precipice of, of com- more companies, an explosion of companies, exponential growth of companies that are based, doing initiatives like the one that you're, what you're suggesting here. So should I give 20% of my income on work to charities? I would say profit maybe, not your income, um, but you know, every, your context will be different. So I would suggest though that social entrepreneurship is something that you can do and make money. You know, a long time ago, it was all about, well, you know, I must, I must build a big business, sell it. Uh, thanks, Primo on Facebook. Uh, glad you liked the book. Um, you know, you can build a big business, sell it, right? And then I'm going to make a difference. That's, that's one mindset I see a lot of. I was one of those. It's like, well, I, I can only take care of myself. And I understand that because when you're in the survival phase of a business, your mindset isn't one really of contribution because you don't have the means, right? So of course you only, you need to survive. You've got to take care of your own house first before you can help others. That's, but is that true? In the context of social entrepreneurship, can you be a social entrepreneur and make money? So I believe, no, you're not being silly. I think you can. I think you can make money and make a difference. Ultimately, it comes down to how much do you want to care about the communities that you serve. It all comes like you, you know, like being kind is everything, you know, and especially now, like with the George Floyd story that's going around and the riots in the states and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, um, it, it's nuts. There's not enough caring happen. I maybe caring about racial inequality and all that kind of stuff, but certainly in the context of social entrepreneurship and what we're talking about today, there's a lack of care. It's about, you know, we're we not doing enough as a community of entrepreneurs, which by the way, is why I've done this show for five years. Uh, it's only to make a difference because it makes me feel good. If I don't care how bad my day is, if I contribute to somebody, if I pick up a phone, like one of the things I'd like you all to consider doing right now is, um, yeah, Ria Nett's asking me about the studio line. Mav, can you post the studio line up again, please? Um, but, um, but you know, it, it, no matter how bad a day I'm having, if the moment I send a message, just to like I'll send one to Mav and I'll go, I care about you. Or I send something to my wife or someone that a friend or a colleague that you know is going through a rough time. I'm just thinking about you, you know. Like Benji could see in Amsterdam, I'm thinking about you, you know. Like the corruption that you, the article that you shared this week was nuts, man. And you know that killed your business, Empty Trips, and that that had you know competed on the world stage of startups. Um, you know, 
dude, I'm rambling here, but certainly I just want to say to you, no, you're not being silly. If you want to make a difference, then just do it. Just do it. Figure it out. And if you can do it, execute on it, and the rest will take care of itself. Uh, Donna on Facebook, how did you build your team? Um, how did I build my team? <laughs> uh, how did I build my team? Interesting question. Um, I built them. Our growth strategy was all around hungry, talented people at the lowest cost possible. That's how we started. Uh, just purely because you know you kind of got to keep your costs low in order to grow uh, your business at the end of the day and to make sure that you got cash flow. Uh, but fundamentally, one of the big comp- uh, outside of the commercial story strategy, the one was all about culture fit. So culture for us is everything. Um, you know, uh, that's all a business really is. It's a group of people working towards a, a common goal. SpaceX, hundred thousand people. You know, sending humans on the top of a rocket up to the space station and then Mars. You know, that's basically all it is. So for us, it's it's all about culture, making sure that there's a fit, um, holding people account- uh, accountable to each other, and empowering the team to. Uh, to do what they need to do in an autonomous fashion. It's not a dictatorship. Like one of the misconceptions about leadership is that, you know, uh, um, the team serves the leaders. And that's never what we've adopted here. Because for me, it's all about how do I serve the team as the leader, not the other way around. They don't work for me. I work for them. Um, and when you treat your team like that, that's when you build a culture that truly is a high-performance one and one that can dominate competition. Stephen on Facebook um, have you found it's more, um, let me see, uh, Matt Brown, have you found it uh, the same or more difficult to motivate or work with your team remotely like you are due to the corona, due to corona, or has it been a smooth transition? Um, do you see yourself working from home with more businesses as a better option going forward? Um, I think I don't want to go back to an office. I don't think a lot of my team do. Um, We're a professional services company and with this risk-adjusted strategy, we are able to send people to the office or at least give them the option to work from there and we haven't had a single person apply. The whole process, uh, which people have to apply to go to the office and social distancing, 30% of staff, whatever. So um, I think the transition was actually a little bit bumpy for two weeks, but now it's all guns blazing. I think I've got a happier team, I believe. Uh, People want that social contact. Um, but I don't think we're ever going to go back to the way that it was. I don't think it's necessary to go back to the way that it was. I've got two young kids. I like seeing them. You know, it's easy for me to go and see them. I just walk outside. Hey, there you go. Uh, whereas, you know, I'd be stuck in traffic. And so uh, I've got more, I'm more productive. Um, I get to do things for me that fulfill me and keep my head clear and ultimately make me a better CEO. Uh, so, no, I think it, it was a bit of – it was a rough transition in the beginning, but now it's all smooth saying – Smooth sailing, rather. Do you see working from home with more business as a better option? Yes, for sure. But it, look, it's not for everybody, right? Um, it depends on the type of business that you are. Uh, some people, like professional service company, like ours, we can work from home. Uh, we can't, like we've got a team in, from Durban to Cape Town. And so, um, you know, with, with COVID, it actually forced us to adopt this new way of working as opposed to just talking about it. Um, Natalie Daly, what do you feel are your strongest personal traits that you try to install in your staff and demonstrate that you are a strong leader that they want to follow? Strong personal traits. Um, You'd have to ask them. Uh, (laughs) uh, Let me see. Uh, Personal traits that you install in your staff. Uh, One of the things that uh, one of our cultural, we did a whole cultural workshop story um, with uh, Deborah... 
Uh, we get your surname Debs for some bizarre reason. Mav, please tag Debra on here. So I uh, highly recommend Debra uh, if you guys are looking to build culture in your businesses. Uh, she's got an amazing process. Um, and um, yeah, one of our values was own your SHIT. I don't want to swear because I'm live streaming and then it ruins things. Uh, but um, but it's really about taking accountability for for things that you do and understanding that there are consequences uh, for for non-delivery, for not hold towing the line, for blaming others. You blame somebody else, you take no responsibility for the event that happened or the consequence of that event. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, and also giving people the rope to to make mistakes. You know, I think um, it's like we're, we're indoctrinated from school with the idea that you know um, we have to. Well, if you if you fail in an exam, you you are a failure or you're bad. Mistakes are bad. And so, in our company, we encourage mistakes because that's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we we know how not to do things, and that's what makes us a stronger team. Uh, Bradley says, "Awesome, thank you, inspiring answer." We'll look for that woman to steal an episode and give it a listen. Cool. Uh, Rads, let me see what else is going on here. Uh, WhatsApp line. Uh, is it Rhea Nett here? Albert, Rhea Nett. Yeah, Rhea Nett Leibovitz. Um, with UK and the world really coming out of lockdown, granted. Oh, this is from Fiona in the UK. With the UK and the world really coming out of lockdown, granted, in stages, how do you motivate your team to do, uh, motivate your team, a team in crunch time coming out of lockdown? Well, one of the interesting things that uh, I came across recently was a um, was a Economist video. Um, let's actually see if I can find the link for you guys. Let me actually do it now. Um, but this Economist video about lockdown ending. Economist lockdown ending video. Got to love Google. See if I can find it. Um, let me see if I can show you my screen here. Da -da -da. Um, battling to find it. Mav, can you find the video for um, Economist lockdown ending? I can explain it to you. Yeah, this is it here. COVID-19, why the economy could fare worse than you think. Um, I can play the video, but it is long. I'm going to post the video. Mav, can you, in fact, you know what, let me just um, post it up on the stream chat here. Uh, but basically, I'll let it play in the background but uh, in essence, what um, they tabled was this idea that when COVID happened or when it struck, okay, um, basically, uh, in essence, uh, a lot of businesses were bailed out by the central bank or the, the federal government. So in America, there was a $3 trillion stimulus package. There was a 65 billion pound uh, stimulus package that was released um, to help small businesses especially in in you know uh, sectors that were completely slammed where you know retail is an example cheers bye-bye like Debenhams here as you can see on the screen two million Canadians lost their job travel industry you know a million people unemployed um, you know uh, in travel alone 17 or 20 million people were unemployed in America thanks to COVID so there was this massive stimulus package that was released and so what it did was it floated businesses, and that's fine. But what happens is, as you can see in this retail example, and they do share one around a retail shop, let's just say that there's three uh, stores. Now, when you went into lockdown, those three stores, the runway was given to you through stimulus packages. And South Africa, by the way, did the same thing. Um, so, uh, And it, this happened all around the world. But now when the economy starts to reopen again, um, it's going to be slow. Like even in China, that's only returned to 90%, right, of 
uh, of pre-COVID uh, economic um, GDP uh, growth, right? Or, or um, kind of yeah, gross domestic product. Only ninety percent of what it was before COVID, and so it hasn't recreated its economy yet, right? So it's slow. People are still social distancing. Going to a coffee shop is not the way that it used to be. Travel is restricted. Da, 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 da. So things are slower. So if you've got three stores, you, you may be in a situation where you have to let one of those stores go along with all the staff, right? So yeah, Chinese consumer activity, January 19th, 2020, right? So uh, consumer footfalls only at 50%. Hotel occupancy at 45%, something like that. Uh, it's not good. Flight passengers, only 20%, right? This is like now. Um, and so um, what that basically means is that as the economy starts to open up, we may get into a situation where, um, where things actually get worse before they get better, right? So your question around how do you motivate uh, your staff uh, during this crunch time, well, it's do or die. Like uh, for me, I, one of the things that I, I say to the team all the time, which is, you know, it's do or do. Don't try. You have to do this. It's like you're going to war every single day. That's that's the analogy that I use, and you have to win. It's you or the other guy, and you have to make it. Like there's no redo, reboot. Like you don't have that option. Not now. Uh, so you have to do it. Um, and so uh, trying is a pointless exercise. You must succeed. And so whatever that is, you have to adopt that mindset fully and you need to like marry that thing completely. And you need to inspire your team, motivate your team, da, 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 but also not be a dictator. So you have to be empathetic uh, to, uh, you know, to the situations and the realities of people who, quite frankly, are scared. You know, we, in part of our culture workshops with Deborah. Um, you know, uh, my team suffer from huge anxiety, right? Massive about the future. And so your job as a leader is to be empathetic around those, uh, those kinds of things and to give them the support that they need. And like I often give out personal loans to staff because they need it uh, to, to take that anxiety away. So whatever it is, people, it's just people at the end of the day. And business for me is not just about business. Business is personal uh, in many respects. Um, just a few more questions, guys. This just took way longer than I thought it would take. Um, watching Keith from Thailand's watching. Alrighty, cool. So let me see anything else in the stream here. Nothing. Okay, cool. Guys, thank you for this live Q&A on the MapRound show. That was fun. Uh, went way longer than I expected. But, um, but yeah, hopefully you got some value out of this session. Uh, as I said, if you'd like to get a copy of this book here, You're In A Game, you can get it for free on my website. Uh, the links are all there. Um, and yeah, join the studio line. Uh, Mav posted up the studio line number and we'll, you know, let's do this again. I enjoyed it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Map Round Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon best-selling book, You're In A Game, for free right now today, you can grab that on mattbrownshow.com forward slash ebook. 
Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.